You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. text on Sunday was Isaiah 50 verse 7 and Isaiah 57 says the Lord God will help me. Let somebody say the Lord God will help me. The Lord God will help you. The Lord God will help me. Praise the Lord. You know we learned I think the Sunday before that none of us as a parent or as an uncle, anybody will give someone an assignment. They not want the person to achieve the assignment. Is there anybody who will do that here? Nobody will do that. If you give anybody an assignment or, you know, you want the person to achieve. So whatever it is that God has said to us to do, wants us to do, we can be sure that he wants and is willing for us to accomplish it. And if he wants and is willing for us to accomplish it, and he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent. It means that his power, his wisdom, his presence is available to help us to do what? To accomplish it. Praise God. Okay, so uh, most of the things in have been noted is a decision that we make, is a choice that we make. And it's a personal decision. It's not a corporate decision. You know, so it's not we are. It's not we have set our faces as a flint or we have set our face as a flint, whichever one. But I have, okay? And it's important to understand that because just like the song says, um, uh, I've decided to follow Jesus. If no one joins me, still I will follow. And you and I know that one of the temptations that we have in our time is that we look around at what people are doing. And when we see what people are doing, it influences what we do. But you know that our Lord Jesus, all his disciples left him. He didn't also decide to leave. He kept on pressing on until he finished the work. I pray that we receive grace to press on with what God has committed into our hands in spite of who comes along or who doesn't come along. Amen? And he says it's a tough decision. He says like a flint. He says it's a rock, quartz, a hard rock. So you make that decision, nothing will easily break it. So when that rock is there... You pour water on it, you pour this on it, you try to hit it with hammer, the rock remains solid. That's how our decision should be. And we receive grace in the name of Jesus. And also, I think he pointed out that it's a determination we make that it's, um, it says it's resolute, it's determined, it's steadfast, it's unyielding, in spite of difficulties and obstacles. You know, we can never emphasize this enough that these decisions are made in spite of diff- you know it's it's always surprising when we give excuses maybe you know to yourself or to other people and your excuse is that there was a difficulty there is nothing in life that is worthwhile that does not require you overcome a difficulty praise god there is nothing in life that is worthwhile nothing Every area of life, for you to make progress, you will overcome difficulty. In fact, life is based on the fact that there will be difficulties. Even physically, science, that the car drives is that the tire must have some resistance on the floor. 
You've seen cars that are stuck in the mud. How many of us have seen cars stuck in the mud? Do you know why a car is stuck in the mud? Because the mud is not giving difficulty. The mud is so soft. There is no resistance to the tire. So when the tire moves, the mud moves. And then the car remains. But everybody is moving. Just that there is no difficulty. How many of us want a mud life where you're turning, everything is turning? It's the resistance that is on the ground that makes the tire to roll the car forward while the ground goes backward. So you overcome the resistance of the ground and then the ground is behind you, you're forward. Praise God, somebody. So difficulties are to be what? Expected. Okay, and that's why he said, I will set my face as a flint. Okay? Now, one or two other things that are very important that he, he pointed out that I want us to see. I like that Genesis 1.27, the Living Bible translation, where it says, God made man like his maker, like God. Did God make man? Very interesting. God made Adam and Eve like his maker. And he said, like God, did God make man? But we're going to find out as we go on how that affects you and I and the lesson that we must learn. Praise the Lord. Another thing that he did, which um, I'll try to just put together and flow into what direction we're going today, is that he says closely tied to our, how did he even go from that to identity? Assignment, he talked about our identity, he talked about our assignment, and he talked about how necessary it was for us to have courage in order to be able to fulfill our assignment. Praise God. And um, this evening, I want us to, you know, start from there. And the text says, okay, sorry. I saw something interesting in that text. This is Kingdom Kids, right? So let's not miss it with this opportunity that we have. Let's go to Isaiah 50 and we will read from verse 4. Something important there that will help somebody. Maybe not everybody, but somebody. It says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of what? The learned. Okay. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak. Okay. That I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. Okay. Let me read again. The Lord God has given me what? The tongue of the learned that I should know how to. How many of us want to know how to speak? You want to have the tongue of the learner. You want to know how to speak a word to him who is weary, right? Praise God. Okay, this is what it says. It says, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. You cannot speak if you don't hear. The key to speaking is hearing. Have you ever wondered why deaf and dumbness go together? Deaf and dumb. <laughs> the key to speaking is what? Hearing. So the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. But it says he awakens me morning by morning to hear. So for some of us that are wondering what's happening to us, you know, we can't speak, we can't do this. Check your hearing. What attention are you giving to your hearing? Praise the Lord. The emphasis there was, he's giving me the tongue of the learned. But the secret, just like it is always with God. You know, he puts the one that people who are not serious will take and run. 
But he puts the secret there. He says he awakens me morning. So he wants to speak to you. When he wants to speak to you, are you ready to hear? Are you distracted? Praise God. Are you watching uh, Telemundo or BBN or soccer or, you know, European League or whatever? Does he catch your attention? And it is continuing. He says it's morning by what? You know, some of us, because I know there are a lot of serious people listening to me. Some of us have this, you know, habit that if I say to you now, okay, um, you're going to share at the meeting we're going to have tomorrow or something. Then you can start reading your Bible, reading your Bible. It's very good. When you read your Bible like that, seriously, that period, the maximum you can get is what you were to hear that morning. Because the design is that you're fed morning by what? A man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word. There is a word proceeding all the time. Hallelujah. <laughs> there is a word proceeding all the time, all the time. When you miss it, you can't catch it up by they don't do crash course in the kingdom. You know, I was telling us about the university days when we do Almighty June. You play first semester, you play second semester or second term, that's what we call it. Then third term you go and read and you still pass. It doesn't work here. You see, when you want to be serious with God, still retreating what we learn, that there are no off-seasons for the believer. When I attend Get Connected, I take it as seriously as I attend a minister's conference in Florida. Because God is speaking. When I attend prayer meeting, I take it that seriously. When my brother is speaking, I take it that because God is speaking to me morning by morning. If I don't have the ear of the learned, I can now have the tongue of the learned. Praise the Lord, somebody. So, you know, I, I saw that. I said, no, we, we shouldn't miss this in uh, this state. Okay, so it says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the bed. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. So, uh, as we get into the, this uh, meditation now, see what happens here again. It says, the Lord God will help me. Semicolon. Okay. It says, therefore, because the Lord God will help me, I will not be disgraced. That's one. Then there's another semicolon there. Do you see that? Then the next statement says, therefore, I would. Now, I want to ask you, if the therefore, I will not be disgraced, is settled, do you know there would not be any need for the second therefore? So why will he say, the Lord God will help me? You put that on one side. Then he says, therefore, I will not be what? He puts that on one side. Then he puts another therefore. What is that other therefore, therefore? Why? Simple. Do you know the answer? Because when he says, the Lord God will help me, therefore, I will not be disgraced. And then he says, therefore, I will set my face as a flint. That disgrace that I'm talking about there. Is not a disgrace of circumstances. It's a disgrace of choice. I will not allow myself. What it means to set my face as a flint is that if you bring disgrace, I will not call it disgrace. Are you with me? Uh, the preacher on Sunday used our Lord Jesus. I've grown beard. You know what it means to publicly be pulling out my beard? You know what it means publicly to spit on somebody? What is that? It's disgrace. So when our Lord Jesus Christ says, 
I will not be disgraced. It didn't say disgraceful things will not happen. But because my face is set as a flint, I will not accept it as disgrace. Are you understanding now? And because I know the Lord God will not abandon me, I will hold on. The scripture says, I will hold on until my change comes. So to you, you might call it disgrace. But to me, because I know the Lord has a plan, I know something is being worked out. And because my face is set as a flint, I will not turn back. That's what it simply means. That flint is a decision. I won't turn back. I won't regret. Somebody won't come and tell me after 15 years or 30 years or 40 years of walking with the Lord that the Lord has... I will not hear the person. And because I will not hear the person, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Somebody say, I will see it. But before the psalmist could say that, what he was seeing... Yeah, it was David that said that. No, Job said unto my Shiloh... Before they could say that, what were they seeing at that point when they were saying it? Were they seeing good things? They were not seeing good things. But because they knew the Lord God was coming, because they knew deliverance was coming, because they knew help was coming, because they knew the faithfulness of God, they could inspire in the middle of unfavorable circumstances, say, we will remain resolute. That's what it means. Praise God. So, what am I trying to say? I'm saying that if I don't set my face like a flint, I might actually accept this grace. And when I don't set my face like a flint, I flout an instruction. It says, hold fast your confidence, which hath what? Great reward. It says, if any man turns back, my soul shall not have pleasure in him. What it means is that if I turn back, then the Lord will be unable to help me. So his help is based on the fact that I will wait for him. You know, we can close now. So somebody's listening to me who is waiting on the Lord. And things are looking this way or that way, looking that way or this way. That's what he's saying. The Lord God will help me. Because he's going to help me, I will not call it it. I won't throw in the tower. I won't surrender. Praise the Lord. I won't faint. I won't give up. It says the young men shall faint, right? The strong, all of that. But those who wait on the Lord, they will renew their strength. Somebody receive renewal of strength. Receive renewal. In every area, receive renewal. In the name of Jesus. Why? Because God is involved. You know, it's amazing you read the scriptures. How much the Holy Spirit made effort to let us know how important perseverance and waiting, long-suffering was in this part of this journey that we are in. Listen, we deal with a God who inhabits eternity. Praise the Lord. We deal with a God who the Bible says a day with him is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like a day. Imagine you send an application and God says, I'll do it tomorrow. Praise the Lord. And that tomorrow... You don't know whether it's tomorrow of a thousand years or it's tomorrow of the 26th of October. But has he remained faithful to himself? Yes. Now, if you don't have the mindset, because you see, for there to be fellowship, there has to be likeness of mind. That's why we we know God. 
when we get to know him, then we know how he thinks and then we can, you know, cooperate better with him. So when a Christian does not understand this, he enters into a lot of errors. Because of time, let, let me go into, you know, we, we do some studies now. So our brother, you know, Minister Israel, ministered to us, and he was talking about identity, and it got a bit interesting for me, and I tried to check it out. So we see that, therefore, I will not be disgraced. Says, I will set my face like a flint. And I, I realized that this choice was made not because of the circumstances. We've said that here. Why would he say, I will not be disgraced, or rather, I will set my face like a flint? He made this choice because of who he was, not where the circumstance he was in. Praise the Lord. It was about an identity. And I tried to check. How many of us tried to actually find out what is identity? What's the definition of identity? You know, one said it is being the same sameness. I was reading through all the definitions and I got tired. Everybody had his own. He has up to 100. But does anybody have what it means here? Anybody who, are, who checked it out before now? Or maybe Israel, since you're here, you told us identity. Didn't tell us what it means. Do, do you want to tell me? Okay. I tried to check it, and it said so many things. But some of the simple ones I saw is that an identity is who or what a person is. Right? Another one says is the characteristics determining who or what a person is. Okay? So it says it is influenced or it is determined by race, ethnicity, gender, you know, uh, socioeconomic status, age, religion, religious beliefs, you know, emotional development, disabilities, abilities, political affiliations, you know, uh, and whether it's uh, our local, local, or obedient, or, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> all of that. Do you understand? professional um, status and all of that. So all those things determine one's identity. Now, thank you, Holy Spirit. Just like we're talking about political um, affiliation now. You know that when a news comes out on, you know, something happens, you know that some people will, no matter what the news is, will stand on one side. Why do they stand on one side? Is it because the news says that? Is because of their identity. They are not influenced so much by the facts of the matter. They are influenced by the stance which they were standing before. Now, it says then that your identity determines your judgment. Are you with me? Your identity determines your interpretation of facts. Your identity determines, you know, just like, okay, what is happening in Israel and Gaza. For some people, rightly so, they feel that Israel, you know, is just killing innocent uh, civilians in Gaza and all of that. What they're doing is extreme and all of that. True. Now, but those people are not also not asking. Up till now, the Palestinians in Gaza are still throwing missiles at Israel. Now, if I know that if I throw you a punch, you will use bulldozers and run over me. If I throw you another punch, you run over my wife and children. If I throw another punch, you run over my village. And I keep throwing you punches. Should people be busy telling the person who is running over that you should stop? Shouldn't you tell the small boy that, oh, keep this your hand somewhere now? Is somebody getting what I'm talking about? Now, now, on that issue, let me let you know my position. My position is this. God has a covenant with Israel. The covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I say, Lord, 
you know, you're faithful to your covenant. But there's also a superior covenant, which is the blood of Jesus. Because when the Bible speaks of our Lord Jesus, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. So, Lord, I remind him that Jesus' blood is for the Gaza people, is for the children of Israel, is for everybody. So I say, Lord, both ways have mercy. That's where I am. Do you understand? Both ways have mercy. And let me let you know something very important also. Is that be careful when you take sides on some issues. You know why? Because the devil is on both sides. In fact, it's God that is not on anybody's side. Something happened. And you know, the mercy of God. God is just so amazing. Something happened. And God, and God ministered to me. See, the devil is on both sides. Do you know that in the U.S., far away in the U.S., I think one, either Colorado or somewhere, an elderly man, somebody that is obviously maybe in his 60s, went to a neighbor's house with a knife and started stabbing the woman the lady ran in, he stabbed a little child, five-year-old or so, to death because he felt that his people, Palestinians, were fighting Israel. Isn't that the devil? So when you're saying, I'm on this side, the devil is on that side. Be careful which side you're on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, on the other side also, a lady in the U.S., same U.S., a leader of one of the synagogues, was also stabbed to death from people from the other. You can see that. You see, these things are complicated. You know, you just have to go higher and higher and go into the spirit and find the will of God is that all men be saved. You understand what I mean? So don't blindly align with anything. Okay? The identity we have is our identity in Christ. It's beyond the Jewish people and it's beyond the Palestinians. It is the love of God for all mankind. For God does not desire that any should perish, but that all should come what? To repent, that's where he is. So, anybody dying without being saved is the blood wasted. The blood Jesus shed is enough to save everybody, everyone God creates. God's heart is for them to come home, come to the saving knowledge of the truth. Praise God. So, talking about identity, identity is something that is so strong that it actually overshadows facts. A few of us may have seen the advert. Um, or on television, you know, where a lady wanted to rent a house. The lady asked, is the house available? The man said, yes. He said, um, how much is it? The man said, this is the amount. He said, what do you do? He said, I'm a nurse. Everything was okay. Until the man said, but where are you from? And the moment the lady said where she was from, the man went crazy and started insulting the lady. Get out. What happened there? Did the facts change? The facts didn't change. But what happened? His identity influenced everything okay so you and i must understand how important this is and let's see how it works here now because i'm going to show you first of all from our lord jesus christ and see what his identity helped him do first of all in the temptation like a brother noted for us on sunday the temptation was checking his identity and look at the mercy of god in that account in matthew 4 yeah i think we need to do three first matthew three seventeen said and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying what? This is my beloved son in whom I am what? So the voice was saying, Jesus, this is who you are. And this is who I say that I am. Now if you get into Matthew chapter 4, you see the devil coming to tempt him. And what was the question the devil was throwing at him? Verse 3, Matthew 4, 3 says, Now when the tempter came to him, what did he say to him? He said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones what? Become bread. Now, 
because Jesus understood what you're learning. Now, there are facts there. The Bible says he had fasted 40 days and was what? Hungry. So, Jesus was hungry is a fact. Are you with me? The devil saying, if you are the son of God, is a question to his identity. If the devil had just suggested to Jesus, I think you must be hungry. You haven't eaten for 40 days. Why don't you quickly get some food? It may not have been as such a temptation. The highest part of that temptation is if you are the son of God. Command that this stone stone bread. You know why? Because in Jesus' ministry, he actually in a form made stones to become bread. When he fed 5,000, not, not counting women and children, with five loaves and two fish. So he actually produced miraculous bread. But the question at that point was not just making a miracle. It was trying to prove that he was the son of God. Are you with me? The devil trying to prove to the devil that he was the son of God. Now, if you see what is there, you and I are going to be tremendously helped. Because what is happening now is this. Jesus, God says to you, you are the son of God. So he believes God. Abraham believed God and he was accounted to him for what? If he went to do a miracle, to prove to Satan that he was the son of God, it would mean that he did not believe what the father said. Child of God, that's the beginning and end of every temptation. That's why I said he touched a cord. Identity. And so key that it was spoken at a program where we would have called Singles Fellowship. And unfortunately and incidentally in church, we have brought all kinds of identity descriptions to validate men and women. So in church, we have enablers. We have treasurers. We have all kinds of things. We have the married, and then we have those that everybody looks at with pity. We have the singles, you know, and then we have those who are, are trusting God for the fruit of the womb. And then some people will come and flaunt their children and their testimony. And then, you know, you're looking and it's as though God in heaven has just said to some people, you are my son. And then he'll jump this person and say to the other person, you're my daughter, you're my daughter and jump. You see, whenever you find those classifications highlighted in the presence of God, it's a misunderstanding of who we are. And that's the ground from where every temptation grows. You see, the Bible says we are complete in Christ. The person who is in Christ needs nothing to be added. Praise the Lord. Anybody making you that there is something that needs to be added to you to confirm or validate like her brother said, your Christianity is actually leading you dangerously astray. When they say, do you have a testimony? We have a testimony. Our testimony is Christ crucified and risen again. Praise the Lord. The other one is exhortation. I want to encourage you with what I... But do I have a testimony? It's not when I buy a house that I have a testimony. I have a testimony because Jesus' blood washed me. Remember, he said, you have not chosen me. The fact that he chose me is my testimony. What happens thereafter is not my testimony. Those things are inconsequential. Do you understand? How can somebody that God the Son chose and died for be walking about with his head bowed why because in the eyes of men you don't have this they look at you you don't have this you don't have this they say you're not a blessed brother you know we've learned something here about our language 
When they say, ah, I've met that brother, the guy, God has blessed him. What do you mean? You mean God has blessed him like Dangote? Like he blessed Dangote? God has blessed him because God has blessed her because she has seven children. Like the mad woman that is by the uh, refuse dump that is producing children like dog. All those things are not. But you see, unfortunately in the church, you see, we are the only organization or organism, we are the only ones qualified to rightly let the children of God know who they are. But when you come into the church and we try to separate you, like I was so glad with the word that came because there was a part of the prayer that I wasn't just so, you know, when you come to a Christian meeting and they make you feel like God has delayed, you know, if you are here and you've been trusting God for the fruit of, ah, I feel your pain. That thing is not from God. Because once you hear it, you go from faith to sympathy. And a lot of people use it. By the time they come, they start telling you, you know, you are near success the seventh time this has happened. That, as they're saying it, you're just being aroused in your heart. Oh, yes. That's what the devil said to Jesus. You are hungry. You are hungry. And you are the son of God. You are hungry. And you are the son of God. You need money. And you're the child of God. What is going on? God must prosper you. Ah, watch it. God must not do anything. If God must do something, then he's no longer God. Because he's God, he say, I sit on the circles of the earth, and I, I do as I like. God must not do anything. But the thing that he mustn't do, he has done. He has loved us with an everlasting love. I get it what I'm saying. So, so, but when you understand this identity, now, now see another place that we'll see what happened there. How this influences our keeping our faces like a flint and achieving purpose. Because our brother talked about identity, assignment, and purpose. Uh, uh, we're putting all of them together. If you come to John chapter 13, verse 3, 4, and 5, something happened there. Very important, you know, account. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible that helped me personally in my Christian growth. John chapter 13, verse 3 says, Jesus. Let me say Jesus. He said, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from and was going to, (laughs) hallelujah, look at four. He said, knowing all of that, what did he do? He said, he rose from supper. And what did he do? He laid aside his garments, took a towel and guarded himself. Five, says. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was gathered. Now, I want you to picture this scenario. It's one thing for me to wipe your feet with my handkerchief. You understand? I can wipe your feet. I can stand up and wipe your feet. But for me to wipe your feet with the towel with which I'm gathered, where will I be? I will almost be lying down. That's how low Jesus got. And they told us how come he could go that low. All things were his. When you know what is yours and who you are, you can serve. The reason we struggle, they said knowing all of that, the first thing he did was that he took off his garments. The reason I want to walk in a way and for people to call me honorable doctor, pastor, chief, engineer, high chief, low chief, whatever, multiply chief, is that I don't have anything. The more I have, the less I need to carry on my body. When I see people struggling for titles, I just have pity on them. 
When I see people struggling for, you know, acknowledgement, I have pity on them. When you know what you have, when you know whose you are, when you know where you're coming from, when you know what you're going, where you're going, you have no need for anything to be proven. You know. What do you need proof for? What you're not sure of. Somebody say, I have a father. <laughs> I have a father. <laughs> Almighty father. He's my father. You know what that means? It settles all. Praise the Lord. It settles all. The devil said, if you are, if you have a father, if there's a relationship, are you sure? Jesus said, I won't get into that with you. I may be hungry, but I know who I am. Praise the Lord. I may not be rich or I may not have excess money, but I know who I am. It doesn't validate me. You will prosper for purpose sake, but not for identity. Anybody that prosperity confirms his identity, the same prosperity will make him lose it. Because he won't be stable when it comes to him. He will change. You've seen people change by money. It's because they didn't know who they were. Hallelujah. So Jesus knowing... And that's where we have to get ourselves to. When we know who we are, whether I'm married, whether I'm single, whether all of that, I know who I am. I now am a daughter of the Most High God. And now I'm a son of the King. Do you understand? When I say in the name of Jesus, the heavenly courts stand at attention. Say Mwaga. You know what is Mwaga? <laughs> Mwaga is calling. Everywhere freezes, they listen to you. Brother, sister, if you have such an access, do you need a man to stand by you to make you feel complete? Knowing that he had come from God and was going back to God and that God had committed all things into his hands. Okay, so because of that knowing, see another application of it. This one is known as a ties to purpose. John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, um, if you go home, you can read from 23, but because of time, we'll just do 27 and 28. In John chapter 12, 27 and 28, this is what happened here. From 23, Jesus started telling about his betrayal and all that was going to happen. And then 27, he says, now my soul is troubled. I want you to see something. I want you to see the facts of the moment. My soul is what? Troubled. Remember, this is the son of God. Okay? This is royalty. This is God himself. And men were going to beat him, men were going to betray him, men were going to, you know, lash him with a cane and all of that. So, his soul being troubled is to be expected. Praise the Lord, somebody. So, like, you're listening to me now. Don't go out from here and think that you won't feel somehow. You know, you won't wish you had the money and just this insult to end. Or you won't wish this was where there was a different situation. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, his soul is rightly troubled because he was going to go through what he had never experienced, what he shouldn't experience, but for love. But this is what he says, and what shall I, what shall I say? So the option is, he could say, Father, save me from this hour. I don't want this. And if he said that, the Father would have saved it. But what was his statement? He said, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. And instead, what did he say? Instead of saying, Father, save me from this hour. What did he say? He said, Father, glorify your name. There are some things that we're so desperate to be saved from that also remove our purpose from us. When a young lady, a young man, for some pressure, 
you get into a relationship that you know is not God's will. And then your friends say congratulations. And your pictures are everywhere. So you have crossed. But you know that you have missed God's purpose. You plan that for the rest of your life you will manage this situation. You're battling every day to manage it. You're patching it. It's leaking every day. You're patching it. What has happened is that you said, Father, save me from this hour. And you were saved from that hour. But as they were saving you from that hour, purpose was escaping. Identity will help you to know that this one, the Bible says, I must needs go through Samaria. There are some things that you know for the accomplishment and fulfillment of God's purpose, you surrender to. You don't resist them. Is someone listening to me? You surrender to. If you read down there, the father says, I have what? Glorified it and I will glorify it again. From this passage down, we are now told, wherefore God had highly what? Exalted him and given him the name that is above every other. Somebody will be lifted high. Somebody will be lifted high. Beyond your imagination. Why? Because when he came to the moment of decision, he said, let me choose purpose instead of comfort. Let me choose purpose instead of popularity. Let me choose purpose instead of fitting into the time. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the words you speak to us. You see, if you don't hear this kind of words, it will be difficult to survive. You can be in an environment, I, I say it all the time, I hope I'm communicating, that... The challenge we have is that we present the wrong goalposts to Christians. That's why people are failing. That's why there are no stars in our environment. Because they don't know what the game is about. So Christians are boasting and having testimonies with G-wagons, with, you know, S-classes and big cars and big houses and big monies and all of that. But no purpose being fulfilled. Because they have dodged purpose. And why did they dodge purpose? They missed identity. You can imagine the son of God. Satan telling him, if you bow down to me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Isn't that what Satan said to him? Now, who is the son of God? They told us who he is. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And without the word was nothing made. So what I made with my word... You want me to bow down so you can give me. If you catch a revelation of who you are, you will laugh at temptation. His offer is always too cheap when you know who you are. It's because we don't know who we are. That's why the offer seems attractive. They say, ah, every man has a price. He will give you one billion dollars. Let me ask you, one million dollars, one billion dollars will do a lot. But it cannot touch your conscience. You will know that you have undersold yourself. That's why you have to be careful who you do business and who you transact with. There are some people who are not who you are. They are not on your level. Do you understand? What will make them rejoice will make you weep. Are you hearing me? What is rejoicing for them, you'll be weeping. Somebody will go to a place and come out as a young lady. He said, ah, the man was hitting on me. He was toasting me. And she's smiling. And then you as a child of God, a daughter of Zion, you come out and you feel insulted. So this man does not have enough sensitivity to the glory of God I carry. To be telling me, baby, baby. You're calling me baby for what? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? But his identity is who the person is. And who you are. That makes the difference. That makes the difference. That makes the difference. 
Okay? So, and that's why Isaiah could say, like a flint. I set my face like a flint. Why? Because of who I am. I'm not analyzing the circumstances. Say, for this purpose, I came. Identity determines purpose. Praise the Lord, somebody. Let's look at um, Adam and Eve. And then we'll close. We'll take our prayer from there. Praise God. Okay. He says, my identity, we've we've said that already, determines what is success for me. Okay? So, for example, now, you work in a bank, you go to work, you know, you place money in the vault, you do, you fill in everything, you go home. You've had a good day, isn't it? Why? Because you work in a bank. If there are some armed robbers, if they come to the bank and then the vault is closed, nothing happens, when they go home, what has happened for them? They have failed that day. So what is success for you is failure to some people. Depending on identity, it will determine what is success or failure. Is somebody hearing me? What I boast about or what makes me ashamed is dependent on my identity. When somebody comes out and is boasting about something, it's who he is that is determining what he's boasting about. When somebody comes and is feeling shame, David said to the, um, the nephews, sons of Zareh, they wanted um, what's that his name? And David said, oh, oh you son Zara. He said, your wahala is too much for me. He said, don't kiss. Now, as far as they're concerned, some, you know, just inconsequential person, our master himself. So, so let's just get his head off. But David knew he was a covenant child. And David said, leave him. I have a relationship with God. If this man can insult me, God is my God. We are like this. God must have allowed it. The other people said, let's use a spare. And David said, no, we can't do that. When it came to the killing of Saul as well, what happened? They said, let's strike him dead. David said, no, we can't do that. What was determining their judgments? They were not to be blamed just as David was not to be blamed. His fault would have been if he let them do it because they don't know what he knows. And they don't have the promise that he has. Do you know I have a promise? Do you know that Jesus is looking to introduce you to the Father? And do you know that Jesus is looking to introduce you to all of creation? And say to Father, he says, if you confess me before me. He's looking to bring you out and say, this one confessed me before men. Confessing before men is not just that we single. It's the choices we make. He said in that office, this one confessed me. And Jesus will walk you, take you by the hand and walk you. And say, look at him. Daddy, you know that office in the federal ministry of so-so. Look at her. That's it, that environment. Look at her. That's, that's what he's planning to do. So when you have such a promise, Haba, what is it the devil is going to bring? And dangle before you. And cause you to lose focus. Somebody say, the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be ashamed. Okay? So Adam and Eve, what was the thing about Adam? They were made like God, you know. In the image of God and all of that. Now, I saw something very interesting. Do you know in Genesis 3, 4, 5, and 6? Or let's just go to 5 and 6 because of time. Do you know there is nothing, unquote, that Eve desired that was really bad? Look at it. Or rather, what the devil offered them. He said, for God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be... Is it not good for our eyes to be open? And you will be like... Doesn't God want us to be like him? Knowing good and evil. So where's the problem? Have you asked yourself? Where's the problem? 
Praise God. What is the problem here? The day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. He didn't say the day you eat of it, you won't see again. And you'll be like, is it not a good thing to be like God? You're no good and evil. Is it not a good thing? Now, you know why there's a problem with that? Like we already learned. They were already like God. They were already what? Okay, that's one. The second problem with that is this. The devil was telling them to disbelieve God. To disbelieve who? To doubt God. To suspect God. And total arrival to disobey God. That's where the problem began. And then also the problem is accentuated by the fact that this desire they had was not natural. It was inspired by the devil. So they were not walking around the tree wondering what is in this tree? What is in this tree? Something is saying we should eat this of the fruit of the... That wasn't their situation. They were on their own. Is someone following me this? They were on their own. The devil came and brought that conversation. What he means is this. At the root of what is giving you headache, who is suggesting it to you? That's why God said to them, who told you you were naked? If you and I can control our ear gates, our eye gates, we have won more than half of the battle. What is making me desire what I desire? Have you asked yourself that question? Why do I want what I want? Who is bringing it to my head? Why is it that what I have is no longer enough? Who is telling me that? Praise the Lord, somebody. That's a problem. So when he set all that up, he hit at the core of their identity. They were like God. They had no need. God had already told them good and evil. Good was that you don't eat of this fruit. Evil was that the day you eat it, what will happen? You surely die. What else? But because they would not remain who they are, they exposed themselves to be led astray. And the conclusion of that we know was that they lost that image. They lost that glory. They lost that likeness. And that's so, so classical of the devil. That's what he does all the time. Now, why would that happen? Imagine if the serpent was passing and Eve said, Hey, hey, serpent. Serpent, what's up? And serpent said, I'm good, I'm good. And Eve said, Isn't it a wonder that of all God's creation, only Adam and I were made in God's image? Have you ever thought about that? Can you look at me? And see the glory of the Lord, serpent. Serpent, you're just moving around anyway. Do you know that I have such fellowship with God that he actually tells me where to go and where not to go. That's how strong our bond is. Child of God, the day you begin to boast and value your identity in God, that day Satan loses power to tempt you. When a world where people boast about their badness, but good people are shy. Have you ever seen a TikTok video of a nice lady well-dressed saying, I'm a virgin and I'm going to keep myself and this and that. What you see is useless ones. Because the good are ashamed of their identity. That's why serpent that is eating dust on the ground, judged from eternity past, can come to someone like God and convince him to disobey God. Because their mouths were too closed. They were not celebrating what they had. I get what I'm saying. 
you come into that office and then you feel, ah, because they are, I'm not in this position, I can't talk. You're a child of the king. We had a man tell us about the son was engaged to an European lady, okay? Engaged or married, I think maybe married. And he said, whenever they visit Nigeria, that the girl likes to go to the village. And when they go to the village, the girl likes to cook in the village. And when the girl wants to cook in the village, the man is a multi-millionaire or billionaire. He said when the girl wants to cook, you know how she wants to cook? She wants to cook with firewood and those heavy pots. You know why? Where she's coming from, she doesn't need to form for anybody and do selfie. Actually, she does the selfie with the local. I get what I'm saying. It's because we don't value, know who we are. That's why the devil keeps making you feel. You know, oh Lord have mercy. Let's rise on our feet. Our time is gone. Ah, Karabo Shagadada. The Spirit of God said, Imagine if Adam and Eve were going about talking about their relationship with God, about their fellowship with God. They tell the serpent, Serpent, what's up? Ah, serpent, I have to leave you. It's the cool of the day. God is coming. We're going to go on a stroll. I can't spend this time with you anymore. Bye bye, serpent. But Eve and Adam, they were looking at the serpent like this, like MTV or DSTV. And they were just taking in everything. Was saying, Sir, we did miss something. No? I get it what I'm talking about. I- I'm missing something. I know chop life. That's why sometimes Christians say, Let me just take break. Make I chop life. No, be me kill Jesus. You see, you see, they've started catching you. When you should be going about, and the world is looking at you with their hands on their head, saying, Look at these Christians. So satisfied, so contented, so fulfilled, so blessed. Because you don't have that, the devil can bring a word and say to you, do this and get fulfillment. We're going to go to the Lord and say, Father, I thank you. Thank you for who you have made me. Thank you for what you have blessed me with. Say, Lord, help me to be wise. Lord, give me understanding of the blessedness that I have in you. The Bible says you and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I am complete. I am content. I'm satisfied. It doesn't matter what you may look at me and feel I need this, I need that, I need that. All of that are secondary. I am in the image and likeness of God. I have God's approval. I have God's validation. I am not about to make it. I've already been made complete in him. I'm not going somewhere. I am born again. The blood washed me completely. The Holy Spirit, listen, somebody here, the Holy Spirit is saying, you're concerned about your body. Your body is so beautiful and acceptable that the Holy Spirit makes your body a temple for him to dwell in. He boasts about you. He's looking at you. Your future, he's expectant. Jesus is making intercession. The angels are walking, getting ready for the reception of the marriage supper of the Lamb. When Jesus will enter into a wedding union between you and him, how can you stay here with men and be saying you lack anything? Daughter of Zion, son of the Most High God, there is nothing missing nothing broken nothing lacking we thank god for as we make this journey he will make all grace to abound towards us but beyond all the grace we have him 
We have him. We have him. He said, Adam and Eve, oh, how they missed it. They should have told the serpent about the fellowship with the father, about the relationship with the father, about the benefits. They named the animals. They ran the world. They owned the whole world. But all of a sudden, what they had and who they were diminished in their eyes. So Satan could tell them he had something better. I like that song that says, there is nothing better than this. Stand amazed in your presence. There is so much joy, peace, and hope. That's the song that says, there is nothing better than this. Father, we thank you. I've come from God. I am going to God. He has committed all things into my hands. I am approved by him. I was selected by him. He that began the good work in me, he's not stopping. He does not have abandoned projects. He's working on me. He's working in me. He's working through me. He's working for me. You know what the Bible said? It says you shall be witnesses to me. So whatever circumstance you find yourself in, don't be so quick to engineer a change. Just be eager to be a witness there. As you fulfill your place as a witness there in Jerusalem, he will move you to Judea. He will move you to Samaria. He will move you to the ends of the earth. He knows what he's doing. You're not forsaken. You're not abandoned. You're not forgotten. God knows where you are. The disciples came to him. Will you at this time finish everything that you told us? He said, that is not for you to worry about. What you concern yourself about is, be my witness. And somebody is receiving the grace to boast in the Lord. To boast in the Lord. To boast in the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. been listening to a message by Pastor Ikenao Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www that the Father's Church Online.org. God bless you.